Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I don't care. I, I don't care. I don't care. I really don't care. I don't care. Maybe you should care. Okay, here we are. Welcome back to Maybe You Should Care. I'm Jackson. I'm Dee Dee, and it has been a, it's been a few weeks. It's been it's been what feels like years. Yeah. But we're here, and we're going to talk about some wild election updates. We've been having some like very philosophical, big conversations lately about politics as a whole, and emotions, and values, and I don't know. And all that's just underscored by a uh, campaign field that's just been cut in half. And uh, ever-changing politics. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we left with this last time, but we talked about how, like, wow, we've been talking about the primaries for so long. Here we are. I can't believe it's happening. That feels like the honeymoon period, because mm -hmm. now I feel like I'm in the middle of a war. Like, I feel like I'm in battle <laughs> right now, because I feel like it went from being like, cute, primaries are finally here, to being like, can this be over? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I'm glad that we have the, it's like a reoccurring theme where every episode it's like, Oh man, wow, the craziest thing just happened. <laughs> wow, this, you'll never believe, this is the most. The last thing that's, Jackson, you know why we're doing that? extraordinary. Because what? we're contributing to the toxic media environment. It's because we're contributing to the 24-hour news cycle and, and the sensationalizing, sensationalizing and the, yeah. We, we're bad. We're into the gamification of politics, apparently, Ugh. which, fair criticism. Call me TMZ. <laughs> Um, Twitter has really done a number on the both of us okay, Jackson, and society. Jackson got Especially me, into, me into political Twitter and I did not realize that pretty much all of the political world lives on Twitter. Yeah, I don't know how you were keeping up with it before this. I don't know how in the world I was keeping up well, with politics before probably Twitter. Probably in a more healthy way. <laughs> me? I don't know though because I feel like now I, I get everything, you know? Like I'll scroll okay. through Twitter and I see the news but then I'll actually see or do you just individual politicians you... tweeting. Okay, yeah. You know, that's fair. like I feel like I get that feed. And I think that's important that you're making the effort to follow politicians who might be outside of your current little sphere or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you might just be seeing what you think is everything, but it's just what the algorithm wants, man. See, here we are. I, I said we're getting into big philosophical conversations, and I don't regret it because everything's making me question everything. Yeah. But one thing that we did talk about before recording today. Was we had a little, a little sweet reminder of our purpose, our goals, our motivations here at Maybe You Should Care. Because, you know... We go through a lot of identity a lot of crises. Identity. <laughs> and, yes. Um, but we came back to this, which is, I genuinely don't believe that politicians and media and pundits and that whole realm value the voices of young people. And I think it's this like weird, self-perpetuating loop where young people hear that they're not good enough at paying attention to politics, so in turn they don't pay attention to politics and they don't vote, and then they hear, young people didn't vote, and then they come up with the reasoning, oh, I'm young, so I don't have to vote. Like, I feel like we've been somewhat conditioned to just, like, devalue our own perspectives. Yeah. So I just want to, you know, we're here for the youngins. Yeah, I just, I think po politics is very important, obviously, and there's, like, a lot of really, it, it can be easy for it to feel very, like, overwhelming and depressing because a lot of it is um but it's all really important stuff and there's also some really incredible things that happen with politics especially when people you know come together and like work hard to like mm -hmm. actually make something happen um 
And I don't know, I just want to talk about that in a way that's fun and not stressful, you know? Yeah. I just want people to be able to, like, clean their houses and also just, like, like hear here, us chatting about politics. Casual, if that's fun, nice I don't know. conversations about the news in a way that we're going to try our very best but to not contribute to a lot of the problems that people say is wrong with the media. Like, we're working yeah. on it. and we're guilty of we're doing so it. We're so guilty. We are trying. We're trying. We're that, trying our best. I feel yeah. like we say we're trying our best, like, every time we record, approximately eight times. But it's true. I stand by. We are trying our best. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. With that, let's butcher the news. Dee Dee. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, let's see. The date is Sunday, March 8th. So, anything that happens after that date, we are sorry. So it's not included in the equation. By tomorrow, all of this is going to be completely <laughs> irrelevant. Completely. As we found out, basically, uh-huh. in the days leading up to Super Tuesday, where everything we've said in this podcast became irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. As the field narrows. The field dun, narrows. Dun. Dun, 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 dun. So, last time we talked, Nevada hadn't even voted yet in the primary, mm-hmm. nor had South Carolina. Hey, what um, happened in those two states? Oh, well, let me answer Let's that get into for you. What happened in Nevada is Bernie Sanders won. Uh, there's been a lot of talks about whether or not politicians can reel in more diverse votes. So Nevada was the first state that went that has a more diverse population that isn't Mm -hmm. just white. So it was a really important test for how these candidates do with people who aren't suburban white people. Um, And Joe, or, and uh, Bernie Sanders won. So there's been a lot of, a lot of his campaigning says he does a lot better among minorities and diverse mm-hmm. people so he he's getting point, a pretty right? broad coalition yeah and i think something we're going to get into later in the episode is kind of a more in-depth look at what's going on with uh the candidates campaigns and stuff mm-hmm. but yeah. let's just keep this we're little keep summary we're, rolling. this is our object this is our attempt at objectivity because the next was south carolina um joe biden really won south carolina he like really won there hey joe did bernie get second i believe so yes okay um, so yeah, Joe Biden really won and that was surprising because, um, he just, he, he wasn't doing that well. Mm-hmm. And usually these, these states rely on momentum from the previous state. Like mm-hmm. the elections very much happen the way they do because of how the previous one went. Um, A lot of it comes down to kind of the narrative of the election and honestly kind of like what the media picks up on. Yeah, like because, the story. Yeah, because candidates, you know, only have so much money to put into like paid advertising. So a lot of... Um, political information comes from how it's, you know, comes from the media covering Mm -hmm. it, and it comes from that, like, earned media that campaigns will get. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, and Biden, as we saw in South Carolina, did very well, and that's something that his campaign was really kind of banking on for a while. You know, we would always hear mentioning South Carolina as kind of like their Mm -hmm. firewall and stuff, and to their credit, that proved to be pretty yeah. true. They yeah. kept saying, like, we know he's doing so poorly, but, but just, just wait, wait till South Carolina. Yeah. Um, a lot of that reason is, you know, we're talking about how Nevada is a diverse state, so is South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So, the, like, like oh, I don't know the exact percentage, but a very strong portion of voters in South Carolina are African American. Mm-hmm. And it's always been part of the storytelling, the narrative that you were mm-hmm. saying that Joe Biden does well with those voters. Um, he also proved himself, right? So maybe Nevada is a different mm-hmm. type of diverse. I don't exactly yeah, know the demographics, it but it was basically these two states, like this round was, can they do well with mm-hmm. non-white people? Sometimes I feel bad mm-hmm. when we talk about that narrative because it's like, do we really just treat minority voters like tokens that get you pr- a prize at the end of the day? Like, uh, you like know. really making sure that you don't just cover groups as like a monolithic voting Yeah, it's group. like a unification yeah. sort of. Sometimes yeah. I feel weird hearing that, but at the same time it is valid. We have to consider whether or not people outside of our own 
yeah. worlds like them. Yeah, and I mean, it's important for candidates to actually reach out to different constituencies and mm-hmm. actually be representative of the United States, not just old white men. Yeah. Which... Old white men. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into that so in a second. Um, okay, is that all we have to say about South Carolina? Well, I think that there was also something that happened um, right before... Oh, wait, no. Oh, no. No, 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 no. no That's no. coming. Sorry, okay. I got the order mixed up. Next, yeah. No, no, you're good. See, I'm so just getting much really is excited. Yeah. Politics is crazy. Um, okay, so after that, um, our then, next big milestone is Super Tuesday. Yes, which was March 3rd. And a few things happened the weekend before Super Tuesday. Okay, so we're, wait, let's describe the scene. Yeah, Super paint a Tuesday picture. Super Tuesday is approaching. Dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Joe Biden's doing better. Oh, maybe he's Joe on Biden, that moment. Maybe he's, Joe Mentum. Wow, maybe there's some. Ooh, he is electable. Crazy. Okay, let's see what happens Super Tuesday. But, you know, Bernie Sanders is doing great. Bernie Sanders won the popular vote in Iowa and New Hampshire. Bernie Sanders is doing awesome. So, Bernie Sanders is probably going to sweep Super Tuesday. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I was hearing. Mm-hmm. And then we enter Sunday, in which Pete Buttigieg, who won delegate, the delegate count in Iowa. Yeah. He dropped out on Sunday. And then Amy Klobuchar dropped out on Monday, the day before her own state, Minnesota, was voting. Very in notable. Super Tuesday. Yeah. And so, I don't know about you, but my jaw dropped both times because these candidates were strong. These candidates mm-hmm. very well could have gone to the convention and formed some sort of coalition. Like, yeah. nobody was outside of the... Like, nobody didn't have a chance at that point. And so to see them drop out was... Surprising. It's really surprising. Especially, I mean, you mentioned Amy Klobuchar, and she was actually kind of expected to win her state Mm -hmm. um, prior to dropping out. Um, So, yeah, it is very notable that they did it. And it's also, I think, interesting that it happened um, so close to Super Tuesday. There wasn't a lot of time. The first thought I had was, what about people who voted with an early ballot? Uh, Yeah, California, for example. So that was frustrating. I know multiple people who voted for a candidate early who then dropped out. Who then out. dropped out. Mm-hmm. So, the, like, the logic of it just kind of threw a lot of people off. And it's been leading to a lot of different narratives. Mm-hmm. Well, and I know that my first question is, oh, I wonder if that's, like, enough time. Is that going to, like, be enough time to impact the results? Uh, the answer was yes. yes. They impacted <laughs> the results. Because yeah. then all of a sudden, it be- basically, with the, like, within hours before Super Tuesday voting... It went from, like, a five-person race to a two-person race, like, mm-hmm. really fast. Elizabeth Warren was two and still a half. in the race. Yeah, like, she was still there, but people she, were kind of Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg were, like, doing just as well and better than her. So mm-hmm. it, it it basically became going into Super Tuesday, Bernie or Joe, Bernie or Joe, Bernie or Joe. And of the 14 states that voted, Joe won 10. Mm-hmm. Bernie did win California, but Joe did come out with more delegates than mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders after Super Tuesday. Yeah, and that really kind of solidified this, like, comeback narrative now mm-hmm. of Joe Biden's getting the momentum. And, I mean, we're still far away from over. Well, not really far away, um, but there's still more um, states here, to go. let me give you the exact number. Yeah. In the Democratic contest, there are 3,979 delegates. Mm-hmm. Super Tuesday, after Super Tuesday, 1,499 were allotted, and some are still being counted in mm-hmm. California and I think a couple other places. So that leaves 2,480, which means that we are not yeah. halfway through. We got a ways to go. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm bad at math. Sorry if that is halfway through, but we still have 2,480 to go. Yeah. So it, you could look at this mathematically and say, oh, look, this could really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, anything can happen. 
but like we were saying, like the story around the previous win heavily influences who wins the next one. Mm-hmm. It's about momentum, and there's this thing called the bandwagon effect, which we learn about in political science class, which is basically that people want to vote for the winner. People mm-hmm. feel better being with the side that they're confident is going to win. Yeah, So totally. people will vote for who they feel is doing well. Yeah, and I mean, people also might not, you know, want to feel like they're wasting their vote. You exactly. Know? And if it comes down to, you know, a moderate progressive candidate, mm-hmm. you know, I think what we saw with the fear with what would happen on the moderate side is that um, Buttigieg and Amy staying in the race would kind of split that moderate yeah. vote. And so voters who prefer a more moderate candidate were kind of trying to figure out, okay, who's the best one I can vote for here, you know? Yeah. Um, I totally agree. Because there wasn't necessarily like a clear front runner, really. I mean, Joe Biden, I, I mean, was, I think, in mm-hmm. the sense. But I mean, he did perform poorly in Iowa and New Hampshire and his... but. Can I explain some real basics here? Oh, please do. So we talk about delegates. We talk about enough, like, coalition, like, enough votes to win. Okay, let's back up because the convention is, like, very complicated. And I yeah. I, I understood how it worked, but until I had to research it for class of the day, I didn't, like, fully understand, mm-hmm. like, the details. Please explain but, it. So basically, the convention is the last event of the primary season. We've been hearing about all these primary elections and caucuses that are all building up to the convention. Now, we don't go to the convention. Like, we go to the convention relatively confident based on who's going to win, which is a little bit counterintuitive considering all the states have already gone, and that's because it's not a traditional election. You vote in your district for how your delegate will represent your district at the convention. Mm -hmm. So you vote to influence, like, a representative. And then this representative, there are 3,979 of them from all around the country, go to the convention, which is the very last event, and they all vote. And in order to become the nominee, you have to reach 50% of the delegate votes. And the delegates vote based on how their district voted. Mm -hmm. So it seems simple enough, like, you should be able to calculate it going into the convention. But if nobody reaches 50%, then it becomes a little bit of a free-for-all where those delegates can basically vote for whoever they want mm-hmm. and it comes down to negotiations. And so, superdelegates. And superdelegates. I don't even know how to explain that. So I'm That's a whole nother that's episode. What I'm, so I'm explaining like the very basics yeah, here. Yeah. And the reason why this was coming up like a lot is because with so many people still in the field and with Amy and Pete Buttigieg and Joe Biden who were three moderates still mm-hmm. in the field, the fear was that no single moderate would have enough of the vote to beat Bernie Sanders, basically. Mm-hmm. And that fear of having this default win to Bernie Sanders instead of, like, coordinating to have all the moderates support one person instead of split up among three led to a bit of panic for moderates and the Democratic Party, who is, for the most part, a relatively moderate organization. Mm-hmm. So that leads us to... The, the consolidation the, of moderates. The consolidation of moderates. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing, it, it would be hard to say that it, was, it wasn't coordinated to have the two moderates drop out right before mm-hmm. Joe Biden's election night where he was projected to do poorly. Like, that, mm-hmm. that was not a coincidence. No, well, and also kind of interesting is um, you mentioned Buttigieg and Klobuchar, but then mm-hmm. also Beto O'Rourke and Kamala Harris have also now endorsed Biden as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're really kind of seeing a lot of... Um, party support kind of coming together around Biden, yeah. I think. And without that... Or endorsements, at if least. If Amy and Pete Buttigieg hadn't dropped out, I don't think Bernie Sanders would have... Or, sorry, I don't think Joe Biden would have had the night that he had. 
I don't think so either. And to be honest, it was a little bit upsetting. It was very upsetting for people like me and Jackson, and this is our opinion coming in, <laughs> to watch the narrative flip from Bernie is going to win and Joe Biden is not doing that good to having Joe Biden be the presumptive winner and suddenly everyone's attacking Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what happened in the matter of That's kind of what days. happens and, in politics, and, but still, yeah. yeah. So, did I explain the, no, the convention it okay? Well. Just, it's like, and I also, it's very very calculated yeah and I, I think we'll probably get into all this more but like i also think that around that time is kind of when you saw like um a lot of like calls for elizabeth warren for example to drop out kind of came after um buddha judge and klobuchar did and i think that that call came out of like the progressives trying to also consolidate mm-hmm. that vote um Whereas if that hadn't have happened, I don't know if... I don't know. It's just interesting how, Absolutely. like, other candidates dropping out just completely changes the dynamic I of think that's things, a really good point. You know? Because we talk about this all the time. We have two parties. One it's party stressful. represents a lot of different points of view, so it becomes a competition within one organization to see who is going to define the election. Mm-hmm. It's and, a big tent and party. it's always been the moderates. I mean, at least in, in, like, in our recent, in our lifetimes, mm-hmm. like... The Democratic Party has, for the most part, been run by pretty establishment people. And yeah. so it's the fact that Bernie Sanders, you know, people say Bernie Chant Sanders shifted the conversation. He changed everything mm-hmm. in 2016. And he did because he kind of like split open the Democratic Party a little bit. Yeah. And really hammered down a rift. And I don't think that's bad. I think it's a good thing, but it's really painful to watch in the moment. I agree. And I think that with like our generation, particularly, like we grew up with like Obama as our first president mm-hmm. and like our kind of baseline in a way. Whereas other people from like older generations saw Obama as kind of like this transformational candidate at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's easy for us to be like, oh, yeah, we get that. Like that makes sense. But we didn't see as much. Hit- you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we didn't live through the previous times of it necessarily. Very so true. I think for like our generation, like Obama really is seen as that baseline. So like when we hear what Bernie's saying, it's like, okay, that's like, makes sense. It's kind of like the next progress, like that, you yeah. know, it, I think our generation has an, a more open reception to that because we didn't necessarily feel the same transformation that Obama. That's a really know. good point. Yeah. I mean, if we're going to talk about like the perspective of, young people yeah. one thing that we very much have in common is that we came of age like we developed our political ideology while obama was president mm-hmm. and that and he did transform the party like yeah. he did he was considered a progressive at the time yeah now he's i considered establishment yeah and considered very moderate compared mm-hmm. to people like bernie sanders and but you're right that we are more receptive to change because we were yeah. We were in elementary school and the first black president was elected. So it's like less of a discomfort to us. Yeah. And then follow him up by Trump, who's completely changed expectations of what a president is. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like he's flipped so many norms. So it's like, I think our generation's a little bit more flexible with uh, change in politics. Yeah. And the reason we're talking about this is because it's hard to figure out what the disconnect is. Because from where me and Jackson were sitting, it was, okay, cool, Bernie's doing really well, Bernie's going to get the nominee. Me, personally, I didn't vote for him, but I was still, like, comfortable with Bernie getting that momentum and doing so well because he makes sense to me as a candidate, and I Mm -hmm. respect his candidacy. But to see Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. who, to me and Jackson, is kind of a dummy. Like, he just has a lot... Like, I don't know, he just has a lot of baggage. And, like, I'm just talking honestly about the way that we see the world. Like, we don't see Joe Biden as a very stable candidate. 
And I, so to watch him suddenly do so well, it was it kind of like shook my reality a little bit. I was like, this doesn't, this can't be, this doesn't make any sense. Like, how is he the one doing well? Yeah, I, I don't think that like Joe Biden is a dumb person or anything. Like, I don't, no, I, I mean, and I think like that. <laughs> excuse me i meant that as a meme excuse thank me. you very much uh no like i i think he i think he thinks he's doing the right thing and he's trying you know i think he's yeah yeah and i think he's a smart enough guy but i he i think is a very risky candidate and i think that that's a conversation that might not have necessarily been had enough but i think people are kind of starting to like have that conversation now like i I understand to an extent like concerns about like Bernie Sanders electability. Like I've heard a lot of people have a lot of criticisms and some of them and some of them are valid, you know, Mm -hmm. like, or at the very least, like I can understand what they're talking about, even if I disagree. Um, But I don't think that if then the other option is Joe Biden, that Joe Biden is actually like necessarily a safer choice than Sanders. I think that when like, the spotlight is, like, really on him, I'm not sure he's going to be able to perform well under that yeah. uh, pressure. Like, in all the debates we've seen so far, um, it's been a very crowded debate stage, but moving forward, it looks like it's just going to be Sanders and Biden on that debate stage. So, like, I- I'm more concerned about, like, Joe Biden one-on-one. And I think that's also a concern I have with Joe Biden going against Trump. Um, I... I worry about how he will react to some of Trump's attacks on him. I don't think Trump will hold back. I mean, I agree with everything you're saying, but I think it's just so... I think it was just really... Like, the reason we're talking about this is because... I don't think that Joe Biden is a candidate that connects with young people at all. And so it's just really hard and it's confusing to watch him be doing so well. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right <laughs> at all. I don't know. I'm just trying to, like, yeah, rationalize well, why it's something that we can't stop talking about because clearly nobody else really agrees with us. Like, so many older pundits and, like, analysts, like, there's a reason he did well on Super Tuesday and there's a reason why Amy mm-hmm. and Pete dropped out to support him. You know, like, the establishment, the older people, the people who run the organization... Yeah decided it was going to be Joe Biden and they decided to turn the narrative against Bernie even more than they already have been. Yeah. And I don't know. I It's made me feel even more disconnected from what my party and what party politics even mean. Huh, interesting. Yeah. It's like, that's, I, th- I think that it's been just like a really weird week in politics to hear such negativity all of a sudden. It, 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 it became nastier than it ever has. We're past the stage where everyone's pretending to get along, I think. Yeah. Um, which is not necessarily a great thing. Um, it's honest. There's that. Um, yeah. It's. I agree with you. I just don't think Joe Biden could possibly win against Trump. No. And I think that, like, Democrats have certainly had, like, a heated primary, you know, at yeah. times. But I think that both Democrats and the media have had, like, this certain level of, like, respect for Joe Biden in mm-hmm. the sense that, like, Obama's administration is, like, widely approved by, like, most Democrats, you know? They yeah. like Joe Biden. He was the vice president. Like, there's a level of respect for him, like, mm-hmm. a long-term senator and stuff. And I think that once you get into a general, that same level of respect is definitely not going to be there with Trump. Like, I remember earlier on in this uh, primary when Julian Castro 
um, kind of kept insisting that Joe Biden forgot something that he just said on stage. And Julian Castro is like widely criticized for it. Being like, oh, that was kind of a cheap shot. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, yeah, like, Biden well, makes gaffes sometimes. Excuses and like, yeah, for Joe and Biden, they're like giving him padding. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think so. And I think that like, like I remember when Trump had that press conference after the uh, Hollywood Access tape with um, all the women that had accused Bill Clinton of stuff of sexual assault. Wait, wait, wait. Let's back up. Let's and back explain up. that. So after the Hollywood Access tape, which came are. Out, which was the Trump's grab him by the pussy tape. Yeah, after in 2016. Yeah, that came out. Um, there was a debate following that mm-hmm. where Trump held a press conference with several of the women that accused Bill Clinton of sexual assault, um, as well as a woman who um, was raped by someone that Hillary Clinton had defended when she was in her law career. Mm-hmm. Um, and had a press conference, brought them to debate. It was like a huge... A very kind of unprecedented thing. Like, that was very shocking. And he did shocking. it to fuck with Hillary. Yeah, he basically kind of did to make the argument of, like, oh, you think I'm bad? Look at what Bill Clinton did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's obviously, like, <laughs> pardon my language, a fucking wild thing to do. Yeah. Um, but Hillary Clinton, I think, was able to respond to that the best way that a politician could. I think for all the, like, flaws Hillary had as a candidate... You cannot deny that I think that she was, like, a very strong debater, Mm -hmm. that she was very focused. And honestly, I think a much, much stronger candidate than Joe Biden is. Mm -hmm. And just a stronger politician who I think could withstand that better than Biden could. How did she do with the debates? Yeah. She did fine. She went in and she continued doing it. If that happened to Joe Biden. I don't know how Joe Biden would react to Trump. Because, like, that's such a wild low blow and that's something that trump is gonna do moving forward Mm -hmm. and i don't think that joe biden will necessarily respond to an attack like that very well whereas i think bernie i mean it's gonna be tough either way but i think that bernie's just gonna have kind of a more yeah okay good whatever kind of you know what i mean and i don't think that there's necessarily like there's stuff to attack bernie over like but like i don't i i don't know if it's as impactful like i don't know if his views on castro like you know what i mean like i don't know if that's gonna hit as hard as like i think i'm just in such a pessimistic mood because obviously i agree with you like i think that joe biden is not going to do well if he has to go up when he he ends up being the guy who goes against donald trump but i'm not confident that the establishment and people older than us could ever get Get behind it yeah i don't think bernie sanders could be the nominee right now Hmm. and it, it breaks my heart because i think that joe biden who there are videos of him squeezing little girls by the face and kissing them on the face and like touching yeah. people too much. And I don't like, there's just so much baggage with Joe Biden that like hurts my heart to see mm-hmm. that nobody cares. Everyone is making excuses for him. And I know that I'm out here revealing my opinion like more than yeah. I ever have, but I just, you know, like I said, I've, I've never been more disappointed by politics, by not by politics, but by the democratic party as somebody who was raised in the democratic party. It, I, uh, it doesn't make sense. I feel like I'm in a Black Mirror episode. Uh, retweet to that. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I hear what you're saying, and I very much agree. It's it's concerning, I think, with what's going on with Joe Biden. And I don't want to be, like, in any way... Like, I'm not trying to be ageist or, like, ableist. Like, I know he has, like, a stutter, and that's a mm-hmm. big thing that he's talked about. And it's, I think, great that he has talked openly about it. And I'm think that's probably helped a lot of people and stuff but i think 
some of what's happening with Joe Biden isn't a result of that. I don't think that it, you know what I mean? Like, he's not keeping the same campaign schedule that Bernie Sanders is. You know what I mean? Like, Bernie Sanders is doing significantly more events. He's speaking for much longer. He's running a, a, you know, a competitive presidential campaign where I think Biden's taking shorter speeches. He makes a lot of gaffes more so than he previously have. Um, yeah. That's one thing about both <laughs> Bernie and Biden. Like, they've been around forever, so you can see what they were like when they were 40, you know? Yeah. And Bernie, you know, he's obviously gotten a little bit older, but he's still Bernie, more or less. And Biden, I think that change has been a little bit more noticeable. Um, and I'm, again, like, I don't think that Biden's, like, dumb or anything like that i'm just i worry about him yeah. withstanding the but pressure also, of that everyone, job it's that's very true but we also can't forget the fact that bernie sanders did have a heart attack he on the just campaign had a heart trial. attack they're yeah. both well into their 70s donald totally. trump is younger than both of them at a young like, 73 i want to also like explain because i had to make a stupid assignment about this for class but the establishment versus anti-establishment conversation yeah. is something that i don't think is very it's not put into basic terms that often so here we go. The establishment basically just means people and systems that are already in power. They're there. They exist. They are well established. The Example, establishment. Nancy Pelosi, Nancy. Mitch McConnell. Yes, they have both. Exactly. From por- both parties, they're, they're parties establishment. They have influence. They are insiders. They, politicians. They can have, they can, you know. They have some sway. They can get drinks with somebody and, like, work a deal out. You know, like, they have that power. They have those contacts. And yeah. for the most part, you know regardless of day-to-day politics, they like things in the system the way that they are. Mm-hmm. Um, anti-establishment is a really broad term, and it refers yeah. to anybody who wants to shift out that, shift up, or shift and change up the power dynamic mm-hmm. um, and give it to people who haven't typically had it before or change the way that the power is structured. Um, so Donald Trump was anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. He was very much anti-establishment. Yeah. He had nothing to do with the Republican Party. He was not an insider with the GOP. Mm-hmm. He just, and he gained so much momentum because he was speaking he a language. He tapped into that frustration that Republicans had with the status quo of the Republican yes, Party. Yes, and that's where Drain the Swamp comes from. Yeah. He didn't do that, but that's No, he, he went really. down a different path. And but that's what he campaigned Bernie on. Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the squad, like, this kind of new wave, like, young liberal politics that you, that we associate with Bernie Sanders is yeah. fully anti-establishment as well. Yeah, you and, hear progressives mm-hmm. talking about, you know, not wanting uh, corporate money. And, that's a progressive you know, state. Yeah. It's Hillary, like, Hillary Clinton establishment. Mm-hmm. You know, Bernie Sanders anti-establishment. So you get the it, vibe. there's a long history of this. Um, but I think it's bubbling up more than it has ever in recent politics. I like, agree with because, you. Because, you know, even at other very emotionally tense political moments, like George Bush, Al Gore, the Florida election, like, that was very emotional, but there wasn't really a question of, like, do we trust the establishment? Are we going to let an outsider, like, mm-hmm. run things? But now we're having that conversation. Like, we really are. Because yeah. 2016, we had an anti-establishment person when we had anti-establishment person almost go against the other anti-establishment guy. So there's a lot of emotions and, like, even everyday people can feel. Like, when you hear people say, I just hate politics, I can't even pay attention to it, it's because they're sick of the establishment. Whoa. You know, like, it's, the the media can be considered part of the establishment. Like, people are frustrated with the way that things are stuck. Well, I think also part of the reason why it might feel so, like, prevalent right now is Mm -hmm. because it's 
kind of happening right before our eyes where it's like you see Bernie Sanders, you know, starting to do well. And then you also see Mike Bloomberg enter the race. You know what I and mean? And you see the Democratic National Committee change the rules yeah. of fate to get him on the stage. Yeah. And then you see a lot of people. And I'm not saying, and I don't want to like necessarily say like, oh, like Amy Klobuchar and Kamala Harris, like they just dropped out because they hate Bernie. Boo. You know, like I don't. I'm sure that they felt that Joe Biden would be the best candidate, Mm -hmm. but I'm also sure there was a lot of pressure on them. Like, I don't want to say that they're just, anyone who doesn't agree with Bernie isn't necessarily establishment and isn't, you know know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like there, I get some of the valid criticism. It has unnecessarily negative connotations. Yeah, exactly. Um, But it's hard to overlook that the amount of pressure there was to kind of consolidate that moderate vote against an anti-establishment candidate. Yes. Yeah. You know, we were talking about whether or not, because Kamala Harris, after Super Tuesday, today actually, Sunday, um, endorsed Joe Biden. And we were like, is that political suicide or not? Because, you know, the establishment would reject her if she did it for Bernie, if she endorsed Bernie Sanders, but she represents a liberal state that voted for Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So, like, what did she do? But and then there's Liz Warren, who is, she's in a lose-lose situation. She also dropped out. I want to talk about that later. But she's in a situation where if she endorses Bernie, the establishment, when she goes back to the mm-hmm. Senate, will be mad at her. If she endorses Joe, the entire progressive movement and her own followers will be pissed. If she does nothing, everyone oh, will good. also be pissed. So... The establishment has the ability to put pressure on, on, people. on candidates. It's yeah, part totally. of the establishment so that yeah. they can continue to extend power. Yes. That's fun. So, that's what I've been thinking about. Like, I, I opened so this episode by saying mind. that we've been very, I, or at least I have been questioning things and been philosophical. Like, it's just, things have been on yeah. my mind. Well, and one thing that I think is going to be kind of interesting, because I know, like, even since we've started recording this podcast, I feel like some of my views have shifted a bit and like, I've definitely mm-hmm. learned more about issues and like also I feel more confident in stances that I have had this whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you learn more. Yes, as you exactly. Go. So we've um, learned that I'm, I understand the anti-establishment sentiment, yeah. even though I grew up thinking that people who were anti-establishment were silly, but now I'm here and I see it and I get it. Way to go, 2020. Here we go, 2020. You're making me a little fiery Our girl. little leftist. Yeah, a little leftist, funky little girl <laughs> A little here. anarchist now. now. What, about, what about you? What have you noticed in yourself? In myself? Mm-hmm. Um, no, I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. I think that I might have been a tiny bit less surprised that it happened, maybe. But like, because I, you've seen it. Yeah, or just like I... I get the frustration with what's, like, going on right Mm -hmm. now. Um, I think that... I I don't know. I'm worried about Joe Biden being the nominee, honestly. Um, I I hope it's Sanders. I think that's... As much as we occasionally try and hide our bias, I think that might have come across. Um, But I I think that there still, honestly, is hope for the Sanders campaign. I don't think it's necessarily done yet. You know, as you mentioned, we still have a lot of delegates left to go. I don't think that... You know, I, I, I think there are lessons to be learned off of what's happened so far. I think that this, I've heard, I've heard a few podcasts in my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been listening to a lot talk about kind of what the next steps are for the Sanders campaign. And um, I think that involves expanding the electorate, which is something that we've, or expanding the coalition. Can you explain that yes. in per- Middle school terms. Sick. That's my level of comprehension, <laughs> too. Uh, so, basically, the coalition is, like, the different groups that a candidate can 
form around them to support them. Um, so you hear about like white working class voters or college educated voters, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, and yeah, different groups. That could be black people, women, young yeah. people, old LGBT. People. Yeah. And so you have to basically form enough, a broad enough coalition of people to support you. And this is very like theoretical. Yeah. Like, we're not talking like somebody signs up for a coalition. Yeah, it's, no. It's more like, who are you and your friends voting for? Yeah, it's just, like, kind of an abstract thing. And also, as we mentioned earlier, not every group is a monolith. Like, there's huge variety within all these mm-hmm. groups, obviously. And, like, so many different ways to break it down, and it's crazy. Ah. Um, but I think something that would help the Sanders campaign is I think that they've shown that they have that progressive support now, kind of rightfully... Su- or not mm-hmm. rightfully. Well, yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, totally. Like, by this point, <laughs> like Bernie's... It. Yeah. People like Bernie, and a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't think anyone is, I think his supporters are more, more committed to him than Biden supporters might be committed to Biden. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think now what Bernie's campaign needs to do is make that effort to expand the width of that support. It's very deep, but it's not like wide enough. So reach more groups, bring in more people. And I think that one of the ways you do that is really highlighting the, like, the, openness and like empathetic side of Bernie's campaign and the inclusive side of it and I think that that involves like welcoming people in with like a little bit of grace you know like um as candidates are dropping out I think that there is an effort being made but it can't hurt to make a bigger effort for Sanders campaign to like welcome in these people with grace you know Um, recognizing that, like, their supporters supported those candidates for a reason and for a variety of reasons, you know? And there's a lot of different issues that different voters care about, and it's not always, like, a cut-and-clear thing. Like, Warren supporters aren't going to all going to go to Bernie, you know? Just like all Bernie supporters wouldn't necessarily go to Warren if the... You know, like... Yes, like, it. there has to be some allure, you know? Like, Bernie Sanders have... Like, the organization has to convince people that there is a reason to support them instead of just assuming that they'll go there yeah and i think that they're like in the case of warren like i think that (laughs) it's pretty clear that there's a lot of overlap between the two Mm -hmm. but you know i think that also means like actually welcoming in warren supporters oh yeah Um, they haven't yeah on the internet at least yeah the internet's a crazy thing well i mean that brings us to the unfortunate topic of Internet habits. Internet habits. For Bernie people. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a, a fraction of Bernie supporters that, um, they got a little carried away there. Yeah, the reason we're being be is because the national emojis. news outlets are reporting on this. Like, yeah. it is part of the conversation now that Bernie has a very small segment of internet, like, of supporters who, are... who go crazy on the internet and absolutely harass people. Yeah. So, that's why we wanted to talk about it, is because it's what other people are talking about, and we want to explain yeah. it, and what Jackson thinks as a Bernie supporter. Like, <laughs> I mean, I don't... Th- I think that, like, the core principles of, like, the Bernie campaign are about, like, inclusion. You know? Like, that's what I really... I get a well... Like, that's what all his policies are about, are about, like, universality and about, like, helping people and reaching out to people. And so it is, as a Bernie supporter, it also is a little frustrating to see, like, certain supporters get so angry at certain other politicians or at just, like, random people for not completely getting it yet or, like, 
rather than explaining it and like it's an attack you know yes, and like I yes. understand too because I like, don't want to dismiss why people are mad either I think a lot of people have like I get why they're mad they have reasons to be mad the healthcare system is messed up I want to a little bit more context up. as to why this is even an issue in the first place like can we talk yeah. about like I I don't exactly know the details but Bernie supporters just have like a longer history of of just bullying people on the internet like yeah it because they don't why like what's i don't understand i don't really i think i have okay here's my well not not i want you to actually try and take your like yeah no yeah like what is well what's the basics of the story like what's the story like what's happening so like for example a lot of bernie support or not a lot but like a chunk of bernie supporters were tweeting like snake emojis at warren or they'll Mm. like really go after people who don't support bernie or like accuse them of like just like the worst possible intentions if they don't support Bernie. it's not like a nuanced look of like oh maybe we disagree on this is that a thing that happens um not that i'm really aware of with bernie i don't i'm sure i'm sure there's probably been a case of it somewhere out there but i don't think that i think it's more of like personal and like very aggressive attacks and a lot of it i think oh yeah that happened to me i tweeted something about warren and i was like i i tweeted something and i was like yeah shocking Maybe deep, maybe fifty percent of the population wants a president who's also a woman. Like I said something about like mm-hmm. maybe it is okay to vote for a candidate like because yeah. you like that she's a female because I believe that that's very okay. Mm-hmm. So I tweeted that and then a Bernie supporter was like, "Yeah, because p- vaginas are more important than politics." They responded that at me. Yeah, that, that's that's, that's not, what we're talking that's about. That's not right? a compelling case to be like, "Oh wow, like you make a great point that we haven't had a woman president," and that's ridiculous here's, here's how bernie sanders yeah. supports inclusion like, yeah be like, that's what it should be but instead yeah. it's like oh but vaginas are more important than politics not so. being like hey good point well if it doesn't work out for liz here's a pamphlet you know yeah. what i mean so like, that's an example right yeah totally okay. that's yeah um and of course like there are nastier ones in that and some of them really do cross a line but what's frustrating is like i think that the overwhelming of bernie supporters are part of like they support him because of the like just what Bernie, what that segment of people are doing, I think is just very counterintuitive with what Bernie's campaign is representing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yes. And I think for like a, a candidate whose slogan is not me, us, it's very important that their supporters, you know, Work represent harder. that that us part of it yeah. is something that's like inviting. Like, I think that honestly, like I, my opinion, but I think Bernie's policies are the right ones i think that he is making a very compelling moral argument and i think that that's something that a lot of voters will be attracted to but you can't like yeah you have to lead with that you have to lead with the benefits of it you can't just attack apart from just like the asshole like you know smart kids who are trying to like be sassy on the internet Mm -hmm. i do think that to be realistic there we do have to point out that there is even more extreme probably smaller sect of bernie supporters who i don't think like bernie because of his policies they like bernie because like we explained earlier he's anti-establishment yeah. like there are groups of people who just who mm-hmm. you know like chaos they're just they hate the system the vote for anyone who goes out of the system that is how trump won is that yeah a lot of people decided to support him not because they are were republicans but because they wanted a change and there are people who i think support bernie not because they're inclusive but because they want to to shake things up, just like Bernie. Mm-hmm. So that's an even more extreme group that but does exist on the internet. That does like yeah, no, it's a fair like, point. Yeah, that does have a very loud voice, and they're fucking annoying. So yeah, that, again, I agree with you. That is not 
the Bernie supporter. That is not the average Bernie supporter. Mm-hmm. But it is loud enough that that's why old people continue to find reasons to not like Bernie. You know, yeah. it just contributes. Like, people, like the media, older people, the establishment, they're, like, hungry for reasons to get mad at Bernie and cancel him. or And just, like, yeah. take him out of the race. And his supporters often do it readily and easily. Yeah, and I think that there's also... I don't know, this is just a take off the top of my head here, mm-hmm. but, like, Bernie supporters are a lot younger than other candidates, and I feel like they're more online. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and That's I feel true. like there's just such so a difference. So it's like they're kind of immature. <laughs> well, not even that, but, like, like, think about, like, I don't know, like, our generation gets, like, cyberbullying, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that happened to, like, we were in high school when that was a thing, yeah, you know what I mean? Cyber-bullied. Yeah, we've all been cyberbullied. We've all done cyberbullying. Yeah, and we should make an effort to not do that. Be best. Hey, Melania. Yeah. Be best, right? Yeah. Shout out. Shout out, What Melania. a cause that's working. Um, But, sorry, that was bad. Um, What was I even saying? Um, Oh, yeah, Just but they're on, yeah. So I think that there is just a general like disconnect between like how our generations communicate online versus oh, older generations, so right. and I think that like our generation has a bit of a, or at least maybe it's just the humor I like, but it's like a dark humor kind of, and yeah. like an intense humor, and they we joke about we have our own language darker, on the internet. Yeah, and so I think that there is like a disconnect between there. It's like when that uh, moves like Bloomberg video went out, mm-hmm. whereas like the fake Bloomberg supporters doing the like shitty dance, yeah. right? The kind of making fun Nobody of Nobody older would understand that. No, like our general, like for like a second, I was like, is this real? Is it? Uh, uh, no, no, it can't. Yeah. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like we understood what why that's funny you know I what think, i mean but I like agree. older so generations like, are like legitimate like serious like journalists and like poli- like respectable people were like oh my god this is ridiculous look what they're doing but this for can't us, be we're real like, eh, but, it happens yeah Statistically, or, it like, happens. we just realized it was fake but other older generations thought it was real yeah. not everyone obviously but you know what i mean like i think there's a disconnect in that's like how fair. we communicate that's online like, that's a good way to like you know, present an argument as to why it's not that big a deal. I genuinely agree with that. Like, I yeah. get it. But also, some Bernie bros have been very sexist and very bad, sexism. and they should not... Sexism. They need big, to big fucking issue. chill. Very big issue. Welcome I mean, people with grace. It's called Bernie bro for also, The reason why they didn't vote Bernie Bro. I just um, want to say one little thing, too. Yeah. Like, I think that getting the Warren support would be very important to Bernie's campaign and stuff, and obviously her supporters and all of that, and I also think that there are just some, like, very very talented people on the warren like team um and like her co-chairs are very great politics like ayanna presley katie porter deb holland um holy on castro like there's some really really talented great politicians as chairs and her staff itself and so it's like hey bernie bros from one bro one bernie bro to another it's like welcome them in because like these would be great people to have on our side and it's mm-hmm. like yeah there might not be a hundred percent lineup and ideology but like i'm we sure as hell have more in common than you know he, what? they do with joe biden you know, you know what i, I mean? just realized you're right bernie sanders campaign not, not his campaign but some of his followers are not welcoming other ch- chunks specifically the elizabeth warren chunk of voters but you know who is welcoming other chunks of voters the Biden campaign. Hmm. They are not like there's nobody on the internet saying oh, you supported Klobuchar? You supported Buttigieg? Ugh. Ugh. How d- ugh. They're like, come on, come vote for Joe Biden. Thank you. And that's why Joe Biden wants to say. Like, it just is. Like, 
I think that's maybe like, part really, of it. Yeah. They really did. Like, if you're saying that Bernie needs to be more open arms, like, take a lesson from Joe well, Biden. Well, and that's that was one thing I want to be. I want to be clear about too. One thing I don't think Bernie is oh, no. necessarily. Sorry, being when I say Bernie, I don't refer yeah. to like the person. I mean the campaign yeah. at this point. Because I actually, this was an argument I heard on Pod Save America. I mm-hmm. think. Um, where they were basically saying, like, there are certain people on Bernie's campaign, including Bernie himself, who are doing a very good job of trying to, like, reach out and explain, like, progressive policies in a way that's like, listen, I'm trying to help you here. This yeah. is good for you. You know what yeah. I mean? Who can, like, explain it very well. And I think that overall, again, I really want to emphasize, like, I I think Bernie bros, overwhelmingly, we're, we're doing good, guy. Like, I... They're trying, but I, there's definitely a sect of them that need to chill, especially if you want to broaden the coalition a bit. Because you're right, I think people are kind of looking for any reason not to support him. We're looking for any reason not to support any candidate yes. at this point because they're skating up the 24-hour news cycle and the yeah. gamification of politics, to, and I'm stressed. I'm really proud of the take I just came up with, which is true that Biden's yeah. campaign has not had any issues good. with bringing in new coalitions at all. They just, they're like, cool, support us, great, thank you. I think they'll have maybe trouble with, like, younger... Oh, they will. Oh, they will. But we're not there yet. in terms of, like, getting... Yeah. (laughs) Oh, speaking of younger, I have one more take before I want to go into my last take, which is, we were talking about the internet and the fact that we have our own language, like, Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking about politics on the internet, and specifically, I know everyone hates me, TikTok. Like, political TikTok is growing. And I don't, I just, like, Jackson and I send each other stuff all the time. I started crying watching a political TikTok because it, like... Just, if I was like, somebody else feels the exact same way I do. Like, it's just a place where I can actually see other young people, like, making, like, weird, dark jokes about politics that nobody else can watch and understand. Yeah. You know, but when I send you this insane meme, like, it's like, you know, the one where she's like, like, Bernie Sanders fans trying to get Warren fans to vote for Bernie. It's just like, hey. Oh, my God, hey. yeah. Yeah. Like, hey. So, nobody would understand that except yeah. for young people. So, um... We do have our own language and, like, political ideologies, but it is, you're right, completely detached from that of older people. Yeah, and I also think, like, we talk a bit about, like, making sure that we talk about stuff that's, like, actually important and mm-hmm. not just, like, gossipy, bad media stuff that, like, isn't beneficial to anyone. But, you know, sometimes a, a good political TikTok is a nice little cherry think, on top. I mean, and it, it, it regardless of the content of it, the fact that it laugh. exists... The fact that it's in there, yeah, it's so interesting. Because the way that we consume everything is changing, and yeah. we're like the guinea pigs of that change. Yeah. So, ah, uh. uh, okay. The last thing I really want to say is that, um, I was really surprised. So when Warren dropped out, I wasn't surprised. I was like, of course she was going to drop out. She wasn't doing well. But she, when she dropped out, I posted like a little thing on my story, and then I had, and it was just a picture of her. Um. Mm-hmm. Maybe some words, but I had so many young women, like my friends, like tell mm-hmm. me I loved Warren and it was like heartbreaking to watch her go. Like I've heard that from so many people who I didn't even know paid attention to politics. Like mm-hmm. I work at Disneyland. I was hanging out with some of my Disneyland friends who I never talk about anything, anything political with them. I didn't even know if they were Democrats or Republicans. Mm-hmm. And they were like, Dee Dee, good night. Talk to you. I really, I'm really sad about Liz. And I was Aww. like, What? Are you kidding? Like, I didn't know when I had people responding to me from high school saying, like, I supported Liz, too. And I've seen so many, like, really well-written op-eds from all different sources on the yeah. internet. Like, even, like, the Wall Street Journal. Like, talking about how Elizabeth Warren dropping out of the race was heartbreaking for women. And mm-hmm. it was something that, obviously, politically, no one really thought she was going to win. But to watch such a diverse pool of candidates come down to yeah. three men, three straight white men in their late 70s yeah. is 
absolutely, it was just heart-wrenching, especially when Elizabeth Warren, whose supporters, like, there's a reason why people, if you were college-educated and paid attention to the news, those two factors overwhelmingly indicated that you supported Elizabeth Warren. Like, she just mm-hmm. had, like, her coalition of supporters was, like, narrow. It, it was narrow, but it was, like, people, I don't know, I just, I'm saying that regardless of how you felt about Elizabeth Warren, it we have to recognize that the way that we view femininity and women running for office is extraordinarily twisted. It is absolutely twisted, and it's 2020, yeah. and we are one of the only westernized countries in the world to not have a female president, and if we don't think that that void impacts how we viewed women trying to fill that spot, we are delusional, because there is absolutely a massive problem with how we view women in politics, and it can be very disheartening just to be an average woman to see yet another very qualified intelligent good person be denied the spot for a myriad of reasons regardless of all that myriad of reasons just the fact that it keeps happening again and again is something that is hard to explain to men it's hard to explain to people who don't get it but it is just like this overwhelming feeling of Mm -hmm. defeat that happens every single day for you know whether it's the president or like when a man just starts stares at your ass in the grocery store line like the feminine experience Mm -hmm. is very difficult when it just is defeat after defeat after defeat. So to watch Elizabeth Warren yeah. be absolutely destroyed by Bernie Bros yet again, not do well, and then get so much criticism when she like constantly, when she like didn't handle her dropping out well and then did drop out, like it just was, it was just annoying and it was way too familiar. Mm-hmm. So to all of the, if there are any other women, young women <laughs> listeners out there who, even if you didn't vote for Warren, even if you liked her and can understand what I'm relating to, like, I don't know. It's just something that I think needs to be talked about a yeah. lot more. That's good. Like we just don't yeah. talk about like we talk about women in politics on a very surface level. Yeah, that's true. And I think that you can get there's a lot of criticism for talking about politics emotionally, and I think that's a joke because politics revolve revolve around emotions and how we feel about issues. So I think it's a very okay thing to talk about the more emotional aspects of politics sometimes because it's in reality very natural. So I agree. Well, Rip. Rip Warren. I think she'll be back. Oh, she's... She's gonna be around. Oh, her influence has been around for decades without us even realizing it. And her uh, speech when she dropped out was very good, I thought. Yeah. And she's been... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she was a good candidate. She really was. you know, same to Amy Klobuchar, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Kamala. Harris, Tulsi. Tulsi's still in it. Tulsi's still in it. Marianne. I think we were too mean hot take i think everyone was too mean to marry i disagree with you jackson she was so dumb oh she said so many dumb oh things. we're gonna have a whole episode about this <laughs> marianne was crazy her delivery was at times less than ideal but <laughs> i think i think she made some very okay. compelling points next episode well actually we, maybe we can if we advertise this maybe it'll maybe it'll hold us to it mm-hmm. we want to maybe our next episode will be on icons like specific oh. people in politics it's my icon marianne um, <laughs> i know you wanted to talk no. about bill clinton um, oh fuck maybe we'll do an episode on icons maybe we'll do yeah, an episode on fun. local elections yeah i think something that'd be fun is uh we've been focusing a lot on presidential elections because uh we are part of the problem we're part of the problem that's what's thrown in our face mm-hmm. at all times but i think it'd be fun to branch off and try uh Let's get into some local politics. Yeah. Let's get them state level races. We're working on ourselves. We're working on our brand. We're working on political awareness. All that. All that. All right. Wow, that was a lot. That was heavy. Uh, (laughs) See you next time. This episode of Maybe You Should Care was written and produced by Jackson Kripe and Dee Dee Drogi. 
Jake Moody is our head producer and editor, and we're proud to be a part of the Deconstructed Podcast Network. Follow Maybe You Should Care, all one word, on Instagram. And follow me on Instagram at D-E-D-E-E-D-R-O, and follow Jackson on Twitter at Cripe Jackson. You can find more about the show on deconstructednetwork.com. Thanks for caring.